Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time for VUC. In our 11th year, with us on our journey this year, Simwood.com. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Greenfield Tech. Go to greenfield.tech and see how they can make your tech dreams both feasible and affordable. Our conference bridge is the best you'll ever find at zipdx.com. VUC.me is hosted on Bluehost. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are provided by voxphone.com. And now the live voice will tell you that this is VUC 669 for October 27th, 2017. Evaluating wireless carrier coverage, ladies and gentlemen, with an illustrious panel starting on my left, not to say extreme left, with Mr. Andy Smith. I, why am I always left? I guess it's the A, isn't it? Right. Hello. Could be. And now our Scottish ambassador, Mr. Caro, Corrado Mela. Yes, Corrado Mela. Hello. Corrado Mela. Thank you. James Bodie is with us. Hello. That's all you get from And me. Kathleen King is with us. Hi, guys. Nice to have you, Kathleen. Thank you for joining us. And, of course, the eminent Michael Graves, looking like he's on another call, as always. <laughs> I'm just looking across two screens. It's one of the problems of having camera on one screen and, and two screens in front of you. I always like slightly looking away. Too many screens. All right. As promised, I'm going to put the film strip back. That means you're going to be able to watch Kathleen the whole time and everybody, anybody else who is of interest. And um, the first thing I want to mention is that we moved. My wife and I moved house recently. I think we already covered this in one other session because I had to do something. And this time I'm trying to establish whether I should stay with Free Mobile, which is a very good deal financially, or move on to something else. So the first thing I did was order a couple of SIMs. And we want to talk about um, eSIMs in a few minutes as well. But right now we're talking physical SIMs, so it's the post office and the box, the mailbox, and the you know registered letters and blah, blah, blah. So I got my two SIMs. Oh, and James is showing all his SIMs. Let's, let me show that. Keep going, James. Yeah, there you go. Only that's one his, phone, Randy. That's uh, his so phone. That, so, the, so these, those are my spares, and then, then that's my working. Well, I don't have as many phones, but uh, last week I did have as many Sims. Kathleen, how many phones and how many Sims do you have? Well, I have one that I normally use. That's my U.S. phone, and then I have an international phone with four Sims at the moment, but I can't guarantee they're all still working. Right. Uh, who has dual Sim phones? But Corrado, you told me you did recently. Uh, Yes, yes, both uh, handsets I use are dual SIMs. And what are they, out of curiosity? Uh, right, it's, uh, oh God, uh, they're two <laughs> obscure Chinese manufacturers. Okay, that's that's uh, close enough. Anybody yeah. else have, uh, Michael, you have dual SIM phones? No, I only carry one phone too, which makes me anomalous in this group. 
And I guess Andy didn't raise his hand, or he did he? No, I don't have a dual SIM phone. I just carry I, I carry an iPhone, and I carry a Nexus 5X. That's it. So you carry two phones. Anyway, I do have a dual SIM phone. In fact, I have uh, in this house, we, we do have one. Well, we do have two dual SIM phones, but what we found out in the States, this is going to be one of these duh moments. I know everybody realized, everybody knows this, except I never thought of it, which is that you can only be on 4G on one of the two SIMs, right? Everybody's nodding, well, right? Because you, because you always yeah, knew yeah, that. It ends on the, the, radios? the model of the phone. But you, you, no, Are you telling well, there is it, no iPhone dual SIM, right? No, no, there isn't. So what dual some, SIM... Sorry, sorry, there are some uh, additional um, gizmos that you can connect to the uh, iPhone that uh, are multi-SIM. I've, I've seen one demonstrated on a YouTube really? video with uh, three SIMs connected, yes. That's interesting. But we're going to get into the SIMs and the multiple SIMs and the eSIMs in a moment. I just want to mention, though, that... And I've probably already said this because I'm old, so bear with me. That when we got to the States, I did not realize that... Uh, I was expecting to have dual SIM, so have a T-Mobile account on one SIM, which I did, and uh, my free mobile, which roams for free, and have data on both. Well, you kind of do, but only one on my phone, which happens to be this year a OnePlus 3T, uh, which at the time was their latest phone. Anyway, um, only one of those phones will do LTE at once. So you could carry two phones or whatever. The point is, we're talking about evaluating carriers, and I was hoping I could have two SIMs and evaluate the carriers. You can't do that without a lot of screwing around. You have to turn one SIM off, turn the other one on, etc. So that's all well and good. Anyway, here's what I was faced with. Oh, I've got to do a, sh- a screen share. Here's what I was faced with uh, when I first... Oh, no, where is it? And I can't find the application now. Isn't that wonderful? Too many windows. No, if it's not. Time, it's it's uh, that. Uh, sorry, uh, Randy, if I can fill the time until you yeah. find that, uh, new iterations of Android-based phones usually have a SIM that works on 4G and the other on 3G, and they can work uh, together at the same time, uh, especially with Nougat and uh, the la- latest one, the Oreo, I think. Yep. Uh, it, it can work. Uh, can, on can, I'm, I'm sorry, I finally found the slide, but yes. it can do what? Can it work on LTE on both SIMs? No, uh, 4G LTE on one SIM and 3G on the other. Right, but so, I know that, so what, but, but that what, was a problem. What advantage? what advantage does that give, though? No, I mean, you, you, you've got one data connection, presumably. Here's the And I think the answer, Andy, and, and it's true, you don't change it on the plane when you're landing, I guess. is the, In other words, you, you can have your two SIMs, but I didn't find it more useful than simply not having to change the SIM when you, when you land at some place. So it's true it's that when, you, uh, when I come from here and get to Amsterdam, uh, I get an SMS saying it's going to cost XX and thank you, welcome, warming, etc. But if I go to the States... I'll get that same message, and then I can switch over to, say, a T-Mobile. By the way, I don't like T-Mobile, and I do not recommend them anymore. Now, here is, without further ado, my... Okay, so I'm presented with this. I am sitting in my office on Edge, which, is, which, which would be okay, because you can see I've got a great Wi-Fi signal. However, it doesn't even stay on Edge. It drops off completely. And before you say, well, what do you need data for? you got a great Wi-Fi signal which is, by the way, gigabit gigabit Ethernet now. 
But the point is, nobody can call me. If I drop off, I'm dropped off the carrier. And look at Michael. Look at this. I'm going to give you something even more interesting to look at, which is my voice modulated by Michael's uh, whatever that is that he's using. Anyway, so uh, James, I want to call on you to help us look at the display. Forget the live box, which now everybody knows my <laughs> my SSID. I'll have to change it uh, if you're driving by the house. But point is, we've got a really good signal because I'm right next to it. But on the edge, what are we looking at here? Obviously, it's in the orange, almost red. Not a great signal yeah. even for edge. No, indeed. Um, edge is uh, a 2G migration uh, scheme and you're talking about needing something like 90 dBm to have a, a rigid um, operating environment with, with that and you're what neg uh, Want, I'm, I'm wanting um, so and you're about so you're about 13 dB down and where you you need to be to have a good experience and when you speak when I speak to somebody if, if the phone rings and I'm talking to someone, uh, they immediately say you're breaking up or I can't hear you or they are. I don't hear them. Or So there's always a problem. It is an edge. As I said, I've got a great Wi-Fi signal. I don't care about edge. But what I care about is the fact that when you're on edge where you're supposed to be in a 4G neighborhood, you know, in a neighborhood that has LTE, a city or an area, uh, what the problem is, is that if you're on edge, it means that the signal's so bad, your voice signal is not going to be great either. Let's move over to, oh, we can't do that. We well, do that's like not this. true. I mean, if you had... Um uh, a reasonable signal strength, so uh, neg 90 dBm or better, then you, you, you'd you be pretty good. Um, and you can well, make hang, on, hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. I'm looking at my phone. I'm looking at that app on my phone. And I'm on um, T-Mobile's LTE network, and the LTE network, I'm showing one o- minus 103. Yeah, yes, indeed. Now, that's let's different. explain that. There's a and reason for that uh, is because the different uh, modulation schemes – have different capabilities. So 2G, because it's older, needs more signal strength than 3G, and 3G needs more signal than LTE. So as you get more modern, um, you're, you're gaining in the modulation scheme. And you're so in the means, yellow there, so you're you're just below green, Michael. So you have a, a 102. Yeah, actually, in my experience, 90 is ex, minus 90 is actually excellent. Oops, right, James? For LTE. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, it's Corrado who's flashing. I'm his, sorry, Corrado is doing that, but yes. James, uh, yeah. minus nine. Oh, that's Corrado that's doing that. I yes, thought yes. Michael was showing his. All right, Corrado, you have a – that's a very good signal. Around minus 100 is very good. I think you don't yeah. get any better than 8590, right, anyway. Yeah, yeah. but no, well, be because he's on LTE. Right, the, LTE. Um, the signal that he requires to be in the gra- green is, um, is less than um, you were uh, – showing on your 2g so um what we're saying is that the, the more modern waveforms uh, work better over over range than the old-fashioned even yeah. though they're operating wider if you look faster. at my at my screen you can see that the green goes further than 90 goes to 95 yes. minus and 90. what you what and what you'll find is that your green scale will move up and down depending on how wide your 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 phone is working yeah. So if you're working super fast, you know, 300 megabit per second waveform, then um, it'll drop back a bit to, um, I guess, around the same sort of probably slightly better than 2G. But if you're working narrow LTE, it'll go well up. Uh, and um, we're not 
at this stage talking about IoT, but IoT, like IoT narrowband, because it's only 200 kilohertz wide and reasonably slow, the radio path capability that, um, or the, the, the signal strength that you need to work satisfactory is tiny. We're talking about some 25 dB better than 3G. It's absolutely awesome. Um, but the amount of power that you need depends on the modulation scheme and the rate, data rate at which you're working. Was that clear? Yep. Pretty much. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of complexity in, in this equation, um, in, in this thing. So it's not as simple as saying, I need neg 90 dBm to, to work. It really depends on, on what your phone is doing, uh, what the base station the other end is, is doing, um, and how your phone reacts to it. This, this has some practical implications as well, too, right? Because the, the upshot of that is that this the... Uh, Cell density can be lower because you're able to go further with a given signal, which also means that the number of, of clients per cell site may go up uh, substantially. Yeah, and when, we, when we're talking about the ultra-narrow uh, IoT narrowband stuff, it means that because you've got that extra link budget you can play with, uh, it means that the transmitter at the remote end can be very, very low power. And that, in turn, means that you can get away with uh, primary batteries with a year or something like 10 years, because the amount of power that you're actually using to send your updates is tiny. So your battery is going to last for, for, for ages. Not only. Usually the uh, data sent by IoT devices is very small bursts of data, very little. Isn't yes. it's very small bursts of, yeah, very small bursts of data at very low signal levels. Uh, and the end result is your battery lasts forever. Years. And the bandwidth used is very little. Yes. Yeah. Typically, with IT narrowband, we're talking about oh, what's the maximum? 100 kilo, kilobit per second is the maximum, but normally a lot less. Than yeah. It, it yeah. is interesting watching this this change. I, I've, I've actually just just switched cell, um, so I now actually just switched onto an LTE cell. Um, so I now have LTE on there, and indeed the, the graph changed, and I am a much lower uh, minus 114 dB. I was at minus 101 attached HSPA to a different cell. Um, so it, it, the signal strength has, has considerably dropped, but the signal quality the should have improved. Does the app allow you to change cells, or did you just do it manually to a different network? No, no, it, it auto-changed. It auto-changed. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to show another what? tool. Program. <clears throat> Here's another tool that you can use to look at. This is Sensorly, and I put it in the IRC, by the way. Sensorly has maps. And they're, uh, as well as Open Signal, by the way, uh, both have maps that are uh, crowdsourced, I guess, essentially is. And we're looking at Paris, which is a very dense, densely populated area. Let's look at the center of Paris. So you see that if you were unlucky enough to live in one of the areas where it's gray and there's no signal, we're looking at 4, 4G, of course, which so is. So what, what are we looking at here, Randy? Is this, this a, a result of um, crowdsourced? readings or yeah this is prediction? well this is interesting here's this is a coverage and signal strength as measured by the sensory crowd 1000 to 1800 measurements displayed on the map uh if we go to the speed measurements this is kind of interesting actually so sensorly.com s-e-n-s-o-r-l-y.com um if you look at these are tests that people do i mean if i do a test i'm not in paris but if i did you would see it here so you're seeing Unfortunately, I don't know how you can see my cursor. I guess there's no way for me to provoke that to happen. But in the center, you'll see some red dots. Let's see how – and also, I don't know how close we can get. Here's a funny-looking 
looks like a cartoon character lying on its side, right in the middle there. See if we get that bigger. So yeah, your, your arrow, no. if you, if that's as big as that's as that's as large as I can get it. The point is, well, wait a minute. Here's a for some reason the the target is a parking garage, okay, in the middle. So if you look a little bit left of that, you see. Ah, here we go. The Barbarous Paris. Whatever. Anyway, the point is that's red, which is a very poor area. Uh, the green is 70%. Uh, sorry if I can interject that. That go ahead. looks to be the download speed. It is, yeah. And it might well be the device. That's true. Than coverage. And that's an ex- excellent Everything point. else is, is uh, practically green, so it should be over 30 megabits per second. I think that is a fluke. Yeah, and also they they do they have their you know ways of testing. So here's the upload. Same caveat. You're looking at what could be the device, could be a lot of things. Here's the cover back in the coverage though, which is a little bit different thing. The the coverage. So these are these are crowdsourced maps, but they may not reflect your actual results. So we recommend, at yeah, least well, I do. I have to say that I mean we're looking at 4G here. Yes. But, um, signal strength in bars is reasonably meaningless uh, when we've we just explained that um, the, the actual signal strength um, really is linked to what mode you're working in. Oh, absolutely. Let's look at 3G. Orange claims to have the best network. Now, here we're looking as close as we can get. I don't see any dark. Well, the dark areas, I don't know how visible this is to everybody. Pretty good. Well, I mean, now I'm not seeing the dark actually that well, but the point is the dark areas. So these are different providers. Let's go through this really quickly because I want to move on to something else. Um, SF, so we're looking at 2G, 3G right now. Orange claims to have the best network. Orange was financed by our tax dollars, by the way. So bully for them. This is another company, SFR. Here's Free, who is the interloper in all this. Yet Free seems to have, well, it blinked for a second, but they seem to have... Okay, coverage. Buig. Well, it's because they're they're roaming on somebody else's network when they're well, only partly. Uh, come on, now, James. They they did a great thing, and they're not always roaming. There are two different kinds of. Yeah. That, now, that, look at this fawn. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a very very clever thing. There. Let me point out that fawn phone um, is on this. Look at this. This is F O N phone, right? Phone Wi Fi. Yeah, but that's Wi Fi. All right, let's get off the Wi Fi. Yeah. Back yeah, to... can I to explain what uh, what Free did that was very very clever? Yes, which is um, they um, equipped their own set top boxes or anybody who wanted one uh, uh, with um, with a three G cell. Bearing in mind that the place where you tend to make most of your calls is actually at home, um, they were able to transfer a substantial proportion of their total network traffic onto their own cells and and of course the backhaul the power the complete cost of running that was was borne by the um the, the home user so if all of a sudden say 50 percent of your traffic is cost free um but you're paying domestic roaming rates for the other 50 percent it means that all of a sudden your costs have reduced by 50 percent and you can be very competitive then with your pricing which is exactly what they did so they came in with a an almost unbelievable um, cost per month for uh, for their price plans. And they kind of forced the other network operators to drop their prices as well. And as They're I told common. you when we talked about this before, James, I don't think there's that many people who got that thing because you had to order it specially. I did order it. It didn't work for me, but yeah, that doesn't I, matter. I'm, I'm not convinced. I think 
that used to be the case with the older boxes, but I think the newer models actually have been built in as standard. It's possible that the new, new, new model, which is a much cheaper plan, like 19 euros a month. Anyway, just to say what we're looking at here, this is another place you can go to evaluate signals, which is opensignal.com. Funny, I would have thought it was org. O-P-E-N-S-I-G-N-L-A-L.com, opensignal.com. This is, again, Paris. And uh, it's also f- it's free to show the how what their coverage is, but these are things you need to look at for yourself in your area. And Kathleen is doing that right now. I can see the, her concentrated look. Either that, or she's answering emails for for free switch. Shame on you! <laughs> Shame on you, Kath. Anyway, uh, so this is something that you can look into. Uh, what are some of the other tools that we haven't mentioned? You guys are are all hip to all this stuff, so. Well, one thing that you didn't show about the network setting for light that you showed before, that it also shows you uh, what kind of coverage you have from neighboring cells. So you can see what yeah, are the cells. Not, oh, that's better. Your, your, your webcam yeah, that's, that's true. Although I, I showed the, uh, yeah, I didn't show that exact thing, I guess. It's because yeah, my coverage so is bad. You can see if there's a, a, a neighboring cell and how it's behaving and it's changing uh, live under your nose. Uh, yeah. By the way, that oh, there, there are many reasons. FW means fame to what? So very little. Yeah, because you might have a, a reasonably decent signal from a, a base station, and yet uh, you'll be off well, offloaded um, to uh, another cell. And the reason for that normally is uh, the cells are just rearranging their traffic. So you'll have one cell that's totally uh, over overused and the neighbor one is very lightly used so it'll offload um some users onto the lightly loaded cell just as an example we have a very powerful cell on top of a hill but a relay cell in town and sometimes i jump between the two in fact that is a very common uh occurrence one of the problems with putting uh masks on tops of hills is that they tend to be heard for miles and miles around and they they can get a a good signal strength into lots of places but the problem is at the top of the hill they hear too much and so um uh quite often the 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 cell on top of the hill will try and offload traffic into the local the smaller cells um do we know how they do that all the time do we know james do we know how they do that yes yeah Yes, we do. But it's complicated. Do you really yes. want to know how these things work? Yes, we I, do. I know about that. Was, that was, that was <laughs> inquiring was minds. A fishing operation to get some information out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, for, but um, one of the things that um, uh, you can do to get around this problem of really, really poor coverage in your house. And of course, your house is always going to give you worse coverage than uh, you'll get outside because the signal's got to get into your house. And if you live in a house like like mine, about four hundred years old with walls, yeah, you know, massive walls, then but that, uh, but that varies by band as well, right? Because it you does, yeah. Out seven hundred megahertz, and the, the reason why seven hundred megahertz is such great spectrum is because it penetrates better. Well, uh, e- yes, in some scenarios, in most scenarios, in fact, yeah, it propagates further. So the um, the radio loss that you see over distance is less with a low. Lower the frequency, so um, you yeah, can't have quite quite the, the, you can't have quite the cell density though with uh, lower frequencies. Oh, that's I, good. I, I believe that to be true anyway. Yeah, yeah, it is. So uh, one of the things that we're looking to do here with our little pilot 
um, study in the um, in the Chalk Valley uh, is to deploy something like between 50 and 70 4G cells along the 13.8 kilometer length of the Chalk Valley. One of the big advantages of that is that each cell gets to reuse all of the spectrum each time. Uh, and so our aggregate throughput will be far, far higher than if you have a very small number of big masts up on tops of the hills. Because yeah. um, uh, as, as uh, Scotty used to say on the Starship uh, Enterprise, you can only beat the laws of physics. You can only use that spectrum once only within the coverage area of the cell. And so if you've got a, a big mast, you have a, a total amount of throughput you can get through on, on that set of frequencies. If you have lots of small cells each using the same spectrum, each one can get the same amount of bandwidth through. And so, um, um, yeah, 50 to 70 nodes are going to move a lot more traffic than five big macro cells on tops of the hills. Obviously. And it can't be costless. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's, it's also good that in, in the particular area that we're talking about, there's not going to be a huge amount of, of vehicular movement because, of course, as we as we switch around, as you go around and you switch cells, uh, because we're using many, many small cells with, with relatively sh- uh, short ranges, we've got a lot more signaling traffic to deal with. Um, but uh, if because most people don't move that far, they're likely to stay attached to the same cells, so not so much signaling traffic. Just anyway, to coming back to Randy's. Problem. Well, wait, wait a second, uh, James, because here's a different uh, reading. So we, as I showed the fixed thing, but here's the. Uh, well, it's hard to get it focused, though, isn't it? Here's that edge reading, which is 105. Now, this is not a. These signal strengths, as you pointed out, James, are not the same thing in different technologies. Here's the SFR. Can we get this in focus, please? Hello. Back a bit. It's well. It's not doing a great job. Let's see. Come You're on. Right. Come on. Come on. Come so on. So what are we looking at here, Randy? Well, it's it's. This is a different carrier in a different phone, and of course, I have, as per scientific research rules, changed the phones around to to make sure it wasn't the phone. Anyway, you see 111 LTE there, and it's in the yellow, almost between orange and yellow. Actually, this is a. This does not jump around. My other phone will jump. My other. Uh, SIM will jump between edge to no coverage at all to occasionally HSPA, uh, and then it might be on LTE for 10 seconds. But uh, You can it, check on the, the other page if you have uh, competing cells that are pulling you one way or the other. You're probably in a, in a borderline area with many oh, cells. Worse than, this is worse than a borderline area. This is an area which if you look on these uh, – when I look on the coverage maps – there's absolutely no coverage. This is the whole street here. Okay. <laughs> no, it's true. Um, now, well, okay, once you get up, right, let me just wait, let me just finish the thought, which is once we get up on the second floor, I've got LTE everywhere and it's fine. It's not wonderful. It's not the greatest, but it's okay. But on the street, there's only one or two carriers of the four available that actually work. And unfortunately, free, which is a very good deal, and I like them a lot, uh, does not. It does not work on the on the ground floor. It, w- it will work a little on the first floor. It works okay on the second floor, but it does not work on the ground floor. And let's face it, I'm in an office. Uh, also, I looked into, and James, you you pointed out, they have femtocells. Okay, so I looked into the orange femtocells. First of all, I looked into Orange's coverage. They claim to have the best network. We're on their fiber now. 
But in fact, Orange's sim did no better than the Freeze sim. It's probably some of the same towers, if not all. That did not play. Uh, it wasn't edge, but it was edgy. <laughs> so long story short is that I could not use the femtocell. There's another solution, uh, and James and I talked about this too, which is to be using getting calls on Wi-Fi. Just use all Wi-Fi and, and do, roll your own. We could do that. Yeah, I'm a, Randy, can I just stop you there? Sure. Am I the only one getting drop packets from Randy? Oh, my God. Or no. is, is Randy yeah. dropping packets? No, 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 absolutely. I am Fine. dropping packets on my fiber? <laughs> Let me... No, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly, because I'm, 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 I'm dropping sort of one in every three words. And just no. want, trying to work out where the problem is. I am. It's your end. It's your end, James. Ah, no. sorry, my end. Yes. 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 Where's the problem? My end. Bandwidth, Wi-Fi. I don't know. I will. I will change things. Uh, Randy, is your house surrounded by others? There are other houses here. Yeah. Uh, stone build, <laughs> probably. Just, just to old to get to to get to James's point about the bandwidth. Yeah. Uh, it's 940 megabits down and something okay. like it's going to be about so, 200, so, 230 up. So, James, raspberry so time. So, it's unlikely to be your <laughs> It but is. Again, um, what's, what's your buffer bloke like? Zero. Oh, zero. Well, I okay. mean, it's, well, no, we'll it's A+. Plus. You'll see. We'll, we'll let you off then. Anyway, right. I've just changed broadbands to my other one. So, hopefully, I can hear everything. So, anyway, um, the big question that, that everybody wants to hear the answer to is now we've ascertained the, the fact that you've got rubbishy coverage in your downstairs office. And yet, what look at you, my fiber coverage. So what I was about, what I just yeah, finished what with... what can you do about it? Well, what I just finished with, James, was I could obviously roll my own because I've got great internet coverage. But I want to keep my other number. So the next question is... I'm going to stop that. And oh, okay, what do, but what do you mean by roll your own? Well, that's it. What... what well, I could I could have Ippy. Andy knows Ippy, and we all know Ippy. It's a French. So I could get a number on Ippy, IPPI.fr or .com, and use that with their Wi-Fi client. I mean, I'm in my office, and my office has the bad coverage. Okay, so, but that that will give you outbound. But what about calls and SMS to your mobile number? Well, it would work fine as long as I sit here. But if I don't, if I'm outside, yeah, it's not going to work well. So the solution is to find a carrier that works in the areas I go in. No? Okay. Or a carrier okay. that supplies you a femtocell to install in your office that takes charge of your phone when you are in. Yes, but that would be orange because you can't do that cross-carrier as far as I know. Yeah. So well, I think here in the yeah, UK, James, I'm correct me if yeah, I'm wrong, that. there are a number of suppliers that do, including three. Uh, yeah. However, the, the big gotcha there is that inevitably the network operator who supply the femtocell will set it up in such a way that it will only service um, users who are using their own native exactly. service. Yes, exactly. And so if you've got, got a, a, an MVNO, uh, domestic roaming MVNO type arrangement like free, um, then it won't work. No, yeah, yeah. So that's the problem with that. So let's discount that one for now. And go over to, to the it's next. It's dead, solution, Jim. It's dead, Jim. Yeah. Which is um, 3GPP, 3GPP Wi Fi roaming, also known rather confusingly as IWLAN. So little I, big W, LAN. Mm -hmm. IWLAN. Uh, nothing to do with Apple at all, even though Apple support it. Um, so what that does 
is that that allows you to attach to the network uh, as if you're doing uh, a voiceover LTE call. Um, <laughs> Dinner will be coming uh, but, but, soon. But instead of using the LTE um, data subsystem to connect you to the infrastructure, um, you use Wi-Fi instead. And you end up with something which looks remarkably... Oh gosh, Oops, it almost, something, we almost Something which it. looks remarkably like that, you can see it. It says, three Wi-Fi call. Ooh. I don't know whether you can actually see that. Yes, we saw it. So, what, so, so what's happened here is my phone has decided that uh, it's got a, a nice, fast Wi-Fi connection. And it's set up, configured, so that when it has a fast Wi-Fi connection, it will then try and connect into the three network using the Wi-Fi. And if it can authenticate and it checks out as being a, a, a good fast link, it will then switch over the service so that my phone is now connected to the three network, but using Wi-Fi. And this and is voice over Wi-Fi, correct? Or this not? is voice over Wi-Fi. But, VO but this Wi-Fi. is, but this is uh, 3GPP voice over Wi-Fi. Do not confuse it with over-the-top Wi-Fi. No, but you're so still many, you're still tied to a carrier there, aren't you? Uh, yeah, it's a service that your carrier must supply, yes. And yes, indeed. And does that, 3 does that. So if I'm on no, – well, here's my problem exactly. I'm well, on let, orange – Let me explain what your, what your problem is. In Go order ahead. to get this to work, you need two things, not one thing, but two things. Firstly – you need a phone that supports 3P, 3GPP Wi-Fi calling, and I'm not sure that yours does. Uh, and secondly, you need um, uh, a network operator. Your service must come from a network operator who supports it. And if you've got both of those together, then you'll find that um, your uh, network operator will send uh, an operator profile to the phone. In my case, it, I've got an iPhone 7 Plus here, and that will then enable the wi-fi calling it's not enabled as native so you've got to have an operator profile sent to your phone which will live it up and then your phone will do it which which by the uh, way implies does not that does that not imply also that your operator needs to have your phone in the database you can't buy a phone that is theoretically capable of doing this if it's not in their database I would say. Well, yes, you can. Yes, you can because um, um, is it is it not bound, you, when, that bound to the SIM? Yeah, yes, I'm just trying to explain. Yeah. All right, when go, you put your James. SIM in, in, into the phone, uh, it's the SIM that then authenticates and attaches to the network, and part of that data attachment um, declares actually in clear. Incidentally, it's not encrypted. <laughs> it declares what type of handset you are using, and if the handset is a compatible sort of handset. The network then says, oh, he's got a compatible handset. We'll send him a, an update to his handset, which is compatible, which will then uh, enable Wi-Fi calling. So that's where it works. So uh, quick question here. That means that if you've got VO Wi-Fi, voice over Wi-Fi, if you have the capability and it's all working and everything and it's in your home and that's wonderful, does that mean that no matter whose Wi-Fi you're on, you can use it? As uh, for calls, Correct. as as long as you've got an open channel at half decent speed, which is capable of uh, attaching back into the operator's call network, it will automatically switch across. As long as you've got what Wi-Fi calling enabled, you're being distracted, aren't you? Yes, it's uh, the no, but that call for uh, so, call for garbage. We're good. <laughs> garbage you know, collection, well, leave, isn't it? Garbage so, collection. Um, 
So, Randy, what I'm afraid you're probably going to be forced to do is to update your phone, your handset, to one that is capable of doing this 3GPP Wi-Fi calling, and not all are. But only the but only if the carrier supports it. What is uh, Corrado showing? Still, network cell info, and you can see what are the characteristics oh, you of your phone. Yeah. And what Wi-Fi display are what available. display are you on there? The last Corrado. page. Last the very page. last yeah. page of that. So, in in this case, because Corrado has got a, and not wanting to uh, diss your 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 Android handset, it's probably an incredibly good value for money handset. But in this case, this particular one does not appear to be Vaulty or Wi-Fi call capable at this yeah. moment. In- yeah. Oh, it says no. Maybe with a software update. Yeah, indeed. And well, it is voice capable. That's <laughs> already. <laughs> can, can I just point out that my phone is Wi-Fi capable, but the SIM I have in it is not. Yes. So if you look well, at this, it t- says that it is not capable, but it has a three SIM in there, uh, which is the same as James has got in his, his iPhone 7. Um, and this device, as a Nexus 5X, is Wi-Fi capable, but it yeah, is not uh, connected. Interestingly, and if you look at mine, I have got exactly the same phone as uh, as Andy, but you'll note that I am Wi-Fi call capable because I'm using, in this case, EE, uh, which offers the service. Yeah, to be, I fair, would just... to be fair, sorry, uh, that, that says VOLT capable and Wi-Fi call available. So it doesn't say the capability of the phone, but the availability on the phone. So it's a combination of the phone and the same. Go back. Okay, a bit, but Andy. this phone, this phone is definitely uh, wait Volti capable. VOL voice over LTE capable, and yet it says no because on this carrier, I think these displays have to do with the carrier too, don't you think? Yes, they do. Yeah, it, it, it's the two variables. So All you've right. got uh, That's the important. carrier plus if the phone. Look, yeah, if you look at the tab name, is device plus SIM. So it's the combination of two. But there's no way to see if your device, this, pro, this app doesn't show whether your device is capable or not. I know because, first of all, people have said in the forums that they were on T-Mobile and that they were using, now I can't remember if it was voice over Wi-Fi or, or uh, Volti, but I think it's both. I think the phone does both. It's just that it only yeah. works for certain no, carriers. No, no, normally the phone uses the same mechanism. Interestingly enough, uh, voice over LTE, Volti, it just uses SIP VoIP. But uh, what they don't explain is what they wrap that SIP up in. So the the underlying levels in the protocol are uh, they're hardened. So you get a much more robust um, voice channel than you would uh, with over the top um, voice over IP, where you're just running something like a, a voice over IP client like Bria or something like that over the top. It will work better. As Dan Jenkins is commenting intensely, I asked him if he wanted to join us. Yeah, well, yeah well, let's get him in here. Well, uh, I, I, now he's in the middle of an emergency bit of work, so he can't, even though I just sent him the link. Anyway, uh, what time is it? It's a quarter two, so. If we've had so enough do, of... Do we learn, learn anything from... Well, for, for the moment, what I've learned is that I don't see any other solution other than changing operators. And I do have a 10 euro a month plan. It has a very low data. That's another consideration. I mean, how much data do you need? How much data do you okay. need? Have you made the uh, decision that you are going to go um, to a service that offers you voice over Wi-Fi? 
know because I don't know who does and I don't know what the conditions are to get that happening. If I could buy a phone and it would work, that would be wonderful. But I'm not going to change operators just for that because the operator might not be great. In other words, if Orange does that, uh, Orange's signal sucks around here. It's not good at all. So even around in the neighborhood. And how did I know that? Because I used all these different apps that we mentioned to determine that. But of course, if you can use Wi-Fi and you've got brilliant Wi-Fi. But if then... when you step out the door, James, you're, you're, you're dead until you get into another neighborhood. So that's no good. Um, yeah, that might be true. But um, you've got to look at the percentage of your time that you're wanting to use your phone. And if you spend 90% of your time actually sitting where you're sitting right now, then coverage in that place is going to be the most important thing. No, because coverage in this place, if I needed to use Wi-Fi, I could get a number from IPI and uh, just use that, which I could. Yeah, but the problem, but the problem with that is, of course, yeah. uh, you wouldn't get the traffic that's aimed at your cellular phone. Oh, but phone. I would because I would forward my cell. See, I don't get a million calls either. That's another thing. Okay. Well, what do you do about the that SMSs? May- well, I get the SMSs via Google Voice and email and everything else. So. Well, I, I think the answer that you, you, you should give there is, well, who gets SMSs these days? Do you well, use, I do. No, no, uh, I do. You, I do. You, you use lots of other Indeed. Uh, services. Indeed. But the, but the answer to that one is to um, perhaps uh, use a carrier where uh, all of the uh, SMS messages are home routed and that they can be sent in different ways depending on how you're attached. And you're going to say, what's home routing, James? No, I'm going to say uh, that uh, somebody just asked me about Project Phi, and I mentioned that I, since I'm in France, yeah, that's Project not an option. Phi is, well, it's not going to work here, is it? Well, Pro- Project Phi will work in France, but the problem is you can't buy it anywhere else other than in the USA. Which I could do, but I'm not going to, I don't have a pixel either, so there you go. Look, this is all, this is a great argument against being locked into one technology, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. We all That's have, good. everybody on this panel has the wherewithal to, to roll their own service, right? We could do this. Okay. We could all do this. And even though, um, I'm trying to think of my carrier free charges. I think it's five cents a minute. But, you know, I get very few phone calls. So if I was going to route yeah, all well, my I've calls. I've got the solution here. Yeah. Here's a solution. <laughs> Something with a Raspberry Pi or oh, tons really of a handful of phones. Actually, yeah, right you, now. Yeah. You need a backpack when you leave home. You need a yeah. backpack to take them all with you. Well, he's got a belt. Point, and then you've got to find it and take it out. Doesn't he have a tool belt? <laughs> you need a bad aero. I don't know about a tool belt. I have and a then, question uh, there are, there are, about, about coverages, but be, because this is all Eurocentric, which is fine. But uh, my brother-in-law lives in a relatively new development, fairly affluent. Uh, according to all of the carrier maps, it's, there's great coverage. He's now had three different mobile carriers. He's had uh, Sprint, Verizon, no, Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon. And all of them uh, barely have coverage on his property and don't have any coverage in his house. And all of them offered either Wi-Fi handoff within the house or a femtocell. Uh, with varying different sort of commercial realities. In some cases, uh, they gave it to him because the coverage was bad. In other cases, he had to buy it. But you know, he moved to Verizon, who purportedly has the best network in the country, and it still doesn't work. H- how 
how do what's the solution in such circumstances? Because you kind of well, they're probably, in probably a dead the sense, what, what Wi-Fi calling, uh, assuming that he's got half decent Wi-Fi in his house. Uh, Wi-Fi calling is a reasonably good solution. Yeah, Wi-Fi calling is fine, except that, and, and I'm I'm with you on that. I recommended him to the Ubiquity uh, Amplify uh, mesh router because his house is big enough. It's something on the order of 3,600 square feet. It's big enough that a single consumer router doesn't do the job. And, um, and of course, when they built it just three years ago, they didn't pull Ethernet through the walls, as I suggested. Ooh. So they, they're like all, you know, he wanted to be uh, wireless because wireless is hip and cool. Ethernet is old and stodgy and reliable. Um, so you, you end up you end up saying, okay, instead of relying upon the carrier's network and network engineering team, uh, you have to do your own network engineering. And uh, not everybody is up to that. I, I just think it's funny. I, I think it's funny that in a, an affluent developed area, you can find yourself in a dead spot and facing investment. Uh, can I, yeah, I just jump first? with a very old, old-fashioned solution. If you, are, uh, if you have a landline in the house, you just redirect calls when you're out of coverage from your mobile to your landline. <laughs> That's so, sorry, so using a service like, if, the, if this, then that maybe, that when you leave and, yes. it, and uh, your location updates say you're no longer at home, suddenly your, your landline calls are forwarded to your mobile. Uh, yeah, but, but that is not a particularly nice solution because that doesn't deal with your sms plus mo- most of your life is on this device not yeah. on your land landline phone your old no, pops yeah. phone well that's so this, is, this is a device you want that your calls to come in on because that's where, where you run your life from well yeah, that's very personal that's very good we, we don't know that that's true for everyone i have a very a very good uh, dect phone wireless phone at home with a very wide coverage that covers i i can roam around the neighborhood yes exactly like this one yes fact, probably exactly that model exactly that model uh with a, a 510 base that i can roam around my when i walk the dog i take that one with me and most of the time i am still covered with that uh which incidentally does sms as well exactly um, <laughs> if but, you have fixed the, line the issue is how you get to forward your SMS from your mobile to that when you're home. And well, that's, that's easy, tricky. James. You forward it to email. Yep. Uh, like Google Voice is that does. It, how, how easy is that? Very well, easy Google with Voice Google Voice. Voice. <laughs> with Google Voice, it is easy. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, the problem with Google Voice is that you get a U.S. number, which is particularly useful not when you're in France or U.K., because yeah. people will not call you on a US Well, number. I mean, this this begs the question of how, you know, one of the important things, we were trying to talk about evaluating coverage and, and maybe getting your uh, coverage together, figuring out what carriers should be using and so on. And one of the things about this profile has to do with, you know, my contention is don't ask your friends what the best network is, because unless you spend 24-7 with this person, you're, you don't have the same profile. So the profile... And yeah, and you're right that your, your friend will not live in your house. So well, and even hopefully. if they did, and even if your friend did live in your house, they may go play pool Friday night, whatever. Anyway, the point is, the thing you have to do is 
very personal profile. And part of that has to do with travel. Now, you all know, let's just take the people on this call, those of you who I can see, we all have very different profiles. And Michael is in the U.S. He may go to Canada. He may go here and there. But he is in the United States most of the time. And he's certainly in North America 99% of the time, I would say. Whereas the rest of us are in, you guys are in the U.K. You may be all over the United Kingdom, which isn't that united anymore for a while. You may be also be over in Europe. You may be in Berlin. I may be in Berlin. But the point is, I don't spend more than 5% of my time in Europe traveling. I am here most of the time, and I am in a, one city most of the time. So for my evaluation, if I learned that Network X was great in Paris, but not so good in the provinces... It would be useless to me because I'm only in Paris 5 to 10% of the year, not even. So, you know, this is an important consideration. I know it seems obvious in an afterthought, but the fact is you need to know where you go. You need to know where you spend your time. By the way, the 80-20 the rule would say that you spend probably 80% of your time in one place. Would that be true for everybody here or not? 80% yeah. of your time minimum yeah. in one place. For most people. Uh, yeah. And then for the, those people who do do a lot of international travel, there are solutions like this one. Absolutely. You might although, recognize the name. Um, although we uh, don't pronounce that name anymore. <laughs> we don't. But, but no, things like this, uh, multi-IMSI sims, multi-identity sims, um, are really, really good if you spend you know, a lot of time away from home trotting around the world. And I wanted to get into that, uh, particularly uh, with you, James, and anybody else who has any comments on it. Because first question I asked, and Corrado uh, and I discussed this a little bit, but I was wondering whether the future is eSIMs without, in other words, without, uh, wait a minute, we have a question. What does it take to get a multi-operator neutral host running? Good question. And that would be to James. Who did that? Who asked that question just out of interest? Who, who? Mr. or Mrs. Worth, I think it's a Mr., I'm pretty sure, but I forgot the first name. Ben, I think it is. It's Ben Worthman, I believe. Um, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's Ben. You you probably noticed that there aren't a a whole load of people uh, operating multi-operator neutral host uh, solutions. So we're talking about um, what do you need to do to get multi-operator neutral host working in your own home? Uh, and the fundamental uh, the two two tricky problems with that. The biggest one is actually finding somebody who's going to run the back end service for your cell um, to back do the end. authentication. And then. Whoa. Oh, bloody hell. Uh, and, uh, and do the back end on the back end. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. And uh, and strangely enough, we know somebody or a team of people, don't we, Andy? who are working might, on that extremely hard at this moment in time. I might have said, spent all afternoon with my head in AHSS, yes. Yeah, indeed. So um, our objective is to um, make deploying a, a 4G LTE cell, small cell, as easy as deploying a Wi-Fi access point so that any any phone from any operator that comes anywhere near it will, in the absence of their own network signal, will see it and attach to it. Um, and so that is coming. We're not quite there yet. Um, hopefully we'll have a very large amount of money off a, uh, a UK government uh, ministry very shortly to uh, run our 50 to 70 small cell trial here in the 
the beautiful, wonderful area of outstanding natural beauty. That is the Chalk Valley, uh, which incidentally is also the largest wireless knot spot in the whole of the south of England. Knot spot. That's um, a good one. James, anyway, okay, we will get back to that when it happens uh, and as it happens. Yeah, we, but, we, need to, we need to do a complete show on, on multi-operator nuclear And we, hosts, of course, we will soon. But I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, the eSIMs, the SIMs that are not physical SIMs. Yeah, which is really interesting because you know that Apple have had eSIMs in their iPads for some time. And we were kind of hoping that the iPhone 10 was going to have an eSIM in it because we know that they have the technology to do the, the Volte piece. Um, we know because we know who designed that. Uh, and um, uh, But sadly, it was not to be. Um, the first mass production phone to um, launch with uh, a full eSIM capability is actually the Pixel 2, the, Go the new Google phone. And... Uh, and that currently is only uh, working with one operator, and that is, not surprisingly, Google Fi. Uh, and so, uh, sadly, if you buy a Pixel 2 here in, in UK, um, yeah, even though it's got eSIM capability, it won't work because, uh, because there's nobody supporting it yet. But if you buy a, a Pixel 2 in the US, um, then you can get Google Fi on it. So Google Fi works through the eSIM? eSIM? Yeah, Absolutely. So if you go in uh, and you get a in the US buy a uh, a Pixel two with no no SIM in it, you can get it up and running with Google Fi because it's already got an eSIM in it. Are, so isn't Google Fi isn't Google Fi still limited to certain areas in the US? I think it is. Uh, no, it, it'll operate globally. I did get well. I mean, I'm not talking about the physicality of it, but the billing slash membership because I signed up for it as I do everything. With my U.S. Yeah, address. Sadly, sadly, we've lost Kathleen because I know that Kathleen has a Google Fi SIM and she could tell us about it. She had, it yeah, she had to go do something else. But Denmark. what I was going to say is I did, I signed up uh, for an early thing of uh, Google Fi, even though I'm not, I do have a U.S. address. So I signed up for it and I did get a thing because it was by zip code, if you remember. And yep. I did get a thing saying, okay, now, hey, you can come on in. But, of course, there was no way I could do it because I'm not there actually physically. But uh, I think it, it may still be – it's not a 1,000% rolled out, right? I think it's still limited in uh, some areas. Okay, Google Fi uh, as a service does domestic roaming on other networks. When right, it's in, three networks. Google do, yeah, Google don't have their own radio network. And then Sprint. Uh, when it gets – Sprint, T-Mobile, and AT&T. AT&T. Yeah. Um, but then when you come abroad, come out of the U.S., it then uh, roams internationally. Right. And uh, But one of the reasons why they're not pushing that internationally is it costs them money. Sure. And whilst, whilst it does work and it's inclusive, there are constraints on, on how long you can spend outside of the USA. Uh, and that's just simply to stop people like you, Randy, who live in France, buying a Google Fi SIM and using it full time in France. Which I wouldn't do since I can do the same thing with Google Voice if I really wanted to. But anyway, uh, getting back to the eSIM concept, James, my question actually was related to the topic that we're covering right now, which has to do with evaluating cell networks. And you and I spoke of this before, and I want to get back into it. The eSIM allows you to download a profile somehow. And so, so I could theoretically, if there were no business constraints, 
the eSIM, you could say, oh, I want to be on FreeMobile. Oh, wait a minute. I want to be on 3. Oh, wait a minute. I want to be on O2 or whatever your other, whoever, be British Telecom. You could you can do this, and it takes, what, a minute or two to change, correct? Uh, yeah, but you can get the profile. In fact, it's the IMSI. You, you get a new IMSI, IMSI yeah. pushed up to your phone. The IMSI is the identity uh, with which you connect to a network. Um, but the bit that in most scenarios you, you would have great difficulty on pushing across the, uh, the signaling channel is the, or are the cryptographic key variables. And they tend to be installed in the SIM card at manufacture. Mm. And up until very recently, there's been a ban on people pushing cryptographic key variables across the air because potentially it's, um, it could, could be um, a, a, vulner- a vulnerability um, yeah. the having said having said that um the gsma 3gpp world have only recently um approved a mechanism whereby it is possible to push cryptographic key variables across the air um but having said that um most of the eSIM players that are out there like google um don't actually push cryptographic key variables there they 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 put a in the case of the pixel 2 there are a whole load of Google key variables that are put into the phone at manufacture. Hmm. And they, they want to run it that way because it, if it's done that way, then all of the attachments and all of the authentication is run back through Google. And then um, once you attach and authenticate, you can then proxy the, the answer. Um, yeah, he's allowed in, he's not allowed in back to the uh, network that you're roaming on. So uh, in the case of Google, and in fact, most operators, they would want to be, always in the signaling path. And so that's that's why um, Google have done it that way. Complicated. There's a lot yeah. of complexity in the, the, these things. But my, my idea was that someday you would be able to just go, well, today I want to be with someone. In other words, this, this would have to be associated with micropayments. And I know that well, you, the average well, carrier... Well, you that already with the Apple sims in the, in the um, iPad Pros. In fact, but, what the, the justification that I... Uh, I used for buying this thing that I'm talking to you on now is that it's got uh, an eSIM and I wanted to uh, take it to pieces to find out exactly how it works. Uh, and, uh, but and the service wise, you get on these things is, is that you are able to do exactly as you, um, as you described and you can switch between different operators in different countries. But business-wise... Uh, yeah, the first generation of the iPads and the Apple Sim did not allow you to do that, but this generation does. All right, but, uh, but, the, but the big impediment yeah. here is business. In other words, what would be interesting would be to be able to switch. So getting back to our main problem here, which is I find myself in a neighborhood where there's only one carrier that works. What would be interesting, I know it sounds crazy, but if we were... If we were consumer centric, you could keep the same phone number. Now you can uh, port your number, obviously. But what would be good would be to have a number and go, okay, today I'm going to be with Orange, but tomorrow I'm going to be with British Telecom and have that same number. The day we can do that, and I'm concluding with this kind of waiting for final comments from everybody because we have done an hour here. But the point is to me with micropayments, Meaning, you know, okay, you put a deposit of five euros or pounds down or something, dollars. Uh, and then you're, you try, so you could try carriers in your area, but you could also switch from day to day. Now, obviously, the operators, the actors in this world don't want to do that. 
they they don't have any interest in that. They need to show subscribers. They have they have um, stockholders. So that's part of the model. I'm not that much of a hippie, you know. I've lived a long time, but I am not that far gone yet. But someday the mechanism may be in place to do this. No. Well, From my point of view, I think the mechanism. If I can, James, it's about billing. You need to run always on and only on pay as you go. So you prepay. And then you use your credit uh, to switch over to different things. Otherwise, you, it's a, a nightmare to bill the customer for just the day he's on or not. Uh, that's a lot of work at the back hole, at the back office for the uh, provider to bill you if you are on or off. Uh, and how do you switch your number from one provider to the other on the fly? There's a lot of signaling that has to go back and forth when you... Uh, port your number it takes a while for the network to propagate through so there's a lot of technical obstacles uh, to that if from what i see uh james do you have any other insights yeah. yeah well we've kind of done that already what you need to do here in order to make that work you've got to separate your mobile service into two parts the first part is how you attach to the network so you've got to have a mechanism which allows you to flexibly attach to the, the radio network that gives you the best coverage in the best way. And you've got to do that in a cost-effective manner. Once you've done that, you then need to map all of your services, so all of your numbers, all of your identities, onto that attached um, attachment. And that's exactly what we did with, well, this particular thing. Uh, so we've got multiple IMSIs in, in a SIM, um, which then it'll then connect to a network using the best, the optimum IMSI to attach to that network to give you the best possible uh, data connection at the most cost-effective rate. Once you've got that, what we do is we then map multiple uh, user profiles. And note I say multiple because if you know me, you know I've got multiple numbers. You map all of those user profiles onto the currently active IMSI which is what's attaching you to the network. But you can do that because you have a limited, not to uh, diminish what you did, a limited number of uh, service users. If you try to do that on the whole of UK or worldwide cellular networks, and these switches and all that signaling to switch this profile to connect to an IMSI would be massive, overwhelming. Well, that's exactly what we did do. Um, and it's not overwhelming. It's it is a, a boundable problem. Um, but the, what the challenge is to then sell that back as a service at a price level which is compa- competitive with uh, something like free in France. And you can't do that because yeah. there is a certain level of complexity and cost involved in the equation, which means that that multi IMSI type solution is always going to sell at a premium and cost you something like times four or times five what you can get in your own backyard from somebody like Free or Labara or somebody like that who has a much simpler, much cheaper solution. So um, if you are a, a person who, who spends virtually all of its time in one country, then you're not going to buy a multi-MC solution. But if you're a globe trotter, uh, then you are going to buy a multi-MC true phone sim aren't you because it makes sense that's the reason for being for something like Truphone and whoever else does it or or, or, yeah better example is actually if you're a formula one team or a 
a Russian oligarch or a pop star who just <laughs> routinely goes around the world, then um, there is no other solution that, that meets the meets the bill. And and OK, it will cost you more, but it's the one that works. But I, I do think that in, in closing, I think that what we could say is that when mobile first started, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of possibilities for pay as you go. Mostly, particularly when the iPhone came out, the first smartphone comes out, right? You're signed in the United States to two years, 24 months of AT&T. And, um, you know, fewer and fewer operators are proposing this silly idea that you're going to get an iPhone for $100 because you're signing up for 24 months and you're going to be paying like $2,400 for the iPhone, but who cares, right? Because you got an iPhone. Subsidized handset, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a sucker thing. But the point is, that's, that's less and less now. But when, in the advent of, cell, of smartphones, you signed up and you were there for 24, 24 months. I think pay-as-you-go, well, some of you would know better than me. As a consumer, I can see that I have a whole panoply of pay-as-you-go. You know, there's almost no advantage now to signing a long contract. It's a little cheaper, and you can get a phone for much cheaper, but you're paying way more for the phone. If anybody does the math, there's no... Uh, Well, if I can, you can also get SIM-only contracts where you have your own phone and you are on a contract. I Mm -hmm. am on a contract for £7 a month. Uh, with unlimited text, unlimited data, and 200 gig of, uh, sorry, uh, text, um, phone calls, unlimited data. Not unlimited data, data. yeah. How much data? 200 gig of data. That's good. 200 gigs of data? Yes, yes. On, on, on Who needs 200 gigs of data? You must be watching like six porn channels at once for a month. No, I'm not. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? You're not, you are. If you're using 200, 200 gigs, you must data be. data for seven pounds a month. <laughs> yes. The, the yes. real question there is, is that uh, that data confined to your phone or can you share it on a Wi-Fi hotspot? Uh, no, ah, I can't. No tethering. Right. No, tethering. So no, no, no tethering allowed. So that is no. 200 gigs for you to watch lots of videos on your tiny screen device. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But all kidding aside, I mean... Google Maps when you're out and about, uh, connectivity, 4G, whatever, uh, for for anything you are when you are out. But that's, again, that is an edge case. In other words, watching... I have watched... I watched one show on on, uh, Netflix, for example, on my... So it was like, I don't even remember, you know, a couple hundred megs, right? But, I mean, this is not something I would do generally because you can always wait until you're on Wi-Fi. I mean, this is... That's an edge case, wanting to watch 200 gigs of video. And for anything else other than video or heavy conferencing, you don't need it, right? So no, no, anyway. And it's probably a gamble by the, by the provider because I never use more than probably a gig. Well, that's – and, and Corrado, that is exactly why they have all these plans that give you unlimited voice when you use three hours, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I – now I'm on a plan. It's unlimited voice. But – I know that I don't even use two hours. I could be on a two-hour plan. So they've all got us hooked because we need the data. We need at least at least five gigs right of data a month, uh, just to just to be sure that we can always do something if we're stuck someplace in an elevator. But you know, things have changed since the, the advent of all this thing. Anyway, that's in the elevator in the elevator elevator shaft you have four G. Yeah, well, that's isn't that funny. Yeah. Uh, who hasn't watched a TV show before cell phones when people are stuck someplace? 
uh, and there's no cell phone to connect, communicate. Anyway, anybody have any final thoughts here before we conclude? No, I, I might have a question for, for James. Uh, E-SIMS can be multi-IMSI or not? Yes, they can. Yeah. Yes, they can. So um, something that people don't really grasp is that the SIM is actually not the physical container, the, the little plastic thing, you know, one of these. That's not a SIM. SIM is actually uh, a lump of code that sits inside uh, and um, the platform. So this is a, a UICC, Universal Integrated, what's the CC? Something, C's, something. C's, something card. Something, something. Um, yeah. Um, and um, it's possible to actually run programs on that or the embedded eSIM um, variety. We know because we write code, SIM code which then does things uh we run applications on the sim i've just i just contradicted myself so you so you can run um <laughs> programs on the platform which is containing the sim code uh independent of the of the handset and then use the signaling channel which is always open and it's always free because it has to be because if it wasn't always open always free you'd never be able to authenticate uh, what that means is that you can actually use the signaling channel for all kinds of interesting uh, purposes. It's a bit like, remember the old days when we had ISDN with 2B two, two plus D? People mm, yep. used to actually use the D channel to tunnel through and do their email continuously without actually having to dial up. And I <laughs> yes. bet you were one of those that did that, weren't you, Corrado? Because <laughs> Corrado, you were that of course, Corrado did that. It's yeah, like you, the, the push-to-talk that some carriers in the U.S. do. So you can use push-to-talk, and that is feeding the, what you're saying in your phone through the data channel. Um, well, well, you can't, actually, because uh, practically you're limited to about 200 bits per second you can get through on the signaling channel okay. on these. But 200 bits per second is enough to, to do things like pushing new configurations, actually reprogramming the the the, the, the SIM code in within the uh, whatever receptacle you've the got module. in there you, yeah, yeah you, you can do that but it, it takes a little bit of time at 200 bits per second I mean you're not going to do voice but you certainly can do messaging so there have been occasions where certain people have been on say Virgin Atlantic who, who, who rather helpfully give you a 2G service whilst you're going across the Atlantic you know but I'd like some to people have been known to spend hours just playing with the signaling channel rather than playing with the entertainment system. I would like to give huge amounts of fun with that. I'd like to give, conclude with the very low tech equivalent of that, which was that my mother and her sister used to communicate by calling each other collect. And then the other side, so I would have a, I have a collect call for so-and-so and the person on the other end would go, well, they're not here right now. And then the other, the originator would say, well, would she be around at, say, 9 p.m.? And then the other person would say, oh, maybe possibly at 9.15. So there's this transmission of data free. And remember, in those days, telephone calls cost a lot. We're talking 450 miles away, by the way. Uh, fortunately, yeah. those days are long gone. But anyway... There were all kinds of little yeah, you ruses. You could communicate with, with, with things like that. A very similar sort of thing that I did once upon a time, used uh, Iridium satellite um, terminals. And it communicated by not by um, passing any data, but by ringing different numbers in a different sequence. So you'd have a block of a thousand numbers 
And then hmm. um, the terminal would then phone that number, that number, that number, that number, followed by the that's the end of my message number. And you could then decode uh, from your code book what that hmm. message meant. So you never actually picked up. So you never ever actually um, paid anything, but you were able to communicate. Sounds like you were part of the Enigma program in World War II, but you're not that old. Well, not quite. <laughs> what, it, what it really says is that humans will always find a way through and are very inventive and very clever with the way that they approach technology. I think that, Andy, your conclusion is the greatest. And we're going to stop this right now. Uh, we have Dave, Dave Toth is coming on soon. He asked for a date, and we will certainly oh, give him that. The latest on Buffer Bloat. Yeah, no, no, he has another thing he's doing. Uh, and also, we're going to be talking, hopefully, to Craig about uh, Dialpad. We're playing around with it. We're going to be talking about Dialpad. It's a crazy thing, but, hey, we're here for crazy things. So... <laughs> With that, next week, unless anybody has a last word, no last words. Okay. Yep. Join us next week for VUC. We've been going for 11 years. We hope to go for another 11. I'll be 90. <laughs> Later. No Codex were harmed in the production of the VUC. Brought to you by IP Communications Community. With our thanks to Simwood. Greenfield Tech, ZipDX, Bluehost, and Voxmall. See you next week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.